the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. When I had finished seminary, my first post was across town at the cathedral in Bedford. And among my varied roles and responsibilities, as is custom of those freshly out of school, was to both design and teach a curriculum for the kinder through fifth graders at the cathedral school. It seemed rather innocent enough, till I first stepped into a classroom full of kindergartners. I thought we'd start in the beginning, the book of beginnings in Genesis, and with the creation account. And so in we went, and we had um, gotten probably around day four in the creation narrative until one little hand shot up. And I knew enough to know about the age group that hands going up don't always mean questions, but often stories and comments and, and the like. But in this case, it was a very profound question from a young man who looked at me and said, as we were talking about all that God created, prompted the question for him, which was, who created God? Pretty good. Pretty good indeed. And so as I tried to distill down um, the, the profundity of his question, I just simply said, well, no one created God. God just is. And I thought that was a pretty good answer. Till I continued on, we got to about day six, and another little hand shot up, and the question came, who made God? And so I thought, okay, well, maybe it wasn't sufficient. So this time I said, well, no one made God. God just is, um, because if anyone made God, then they would be greater than God. That makes sense, right? And I kind of got a little furrowed brow and a, and a nod, and the hand went down, and we, we continued on. We finished our lesson, and we shared all the things about creation that we liked, which included elephants and animals and my dog Sam, and I have a dog named Sam. I don't have a dog, but my cat's name is, is this. And, and we went through it all, and then another little hand went up, and the question, as you can imagine, was, who made God? And I realized quite quickly a valuable lesson, freshly out, that um, at that age, when a question is asked and your answer does not meet the, the right uh, question that's being asked, it will get asked until a sufficient answer is, is found. And so um, we continued on, and I, I don't think I ever fully answered their question. But as I was reflecting on this, uh, and especially in light of this passage before us, the answer of who made God is there in John 1.1, right? It's there before us. We read, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I realized in some recent studies that my little friends weren't the only one that wrestled with that question. In fact, um, a recent LifeWay study that surveyed our culture noticed that more broadly of the culture itself, 41% say that God's son, uh, Jesus, existed before Bethlehem. Only 41%. 32 disagreed with that. And 28 said they just weren't sure. Now, here's the interesting fact. When asked of those who attend church four times or more, meaning they come even in the course of the week, 
Only 63% said that Jesus existed before being born in Bethlehem. Now that tells us something, doesn't it? That tells us that only a 20% increase from the larger culture to Bible-believing Christians understand the profound nature of the Trinity. Now, what that tells me is this, that um, while we can attend, while we can be in the regular rhythm of going to church, showing up doesn't suffice alone. We've got to be students of the Word, students of what we say every week in the Creed, right? That Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten before all worlds, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made. So I think it raises a really interesting first insight as we think about this, that when we think about the Word being made flesh and stepping into the world for our sakes in this season of Christmas, we're also called to reflect um, on the fact that as we show up, we're also called to be students, that um, students who understand in the beginning was the Word, yes, and the Word was with God and the Word was God, but that we also must stay in a place of wonder and study of God's Word. Showing up, that old adage, yes, is a good thing, but showing up won't just by osmosis teach us the faith, but rather we must be those who, like St. Elmshelm said long ago, um, I came to faith so that I might seek more understanding. It's not the journey of knowledge that led him to faith, but rather his faith that led him to a journey to gain more knowledge and wisdom. And not head knowledge, per se, but because he so loved this Jesus, this word made flesh, that it led him on a lifelong pursuit to be one of the greatest minds in his day and some great resources that have been written that we study ever since, to come to understand that. Now, I won't begin to tell you that we'll ever fully understand the Godhead, but as we understand the aspects of it, as we come to faith in Jesus, well done for being here on the first Sunday of Christmas, but also to reflect on the ways that we may grow in further awe and wonder of who he is, to grow as students of God's word. Again, not just for head knowledge, but for our sake, because as we think about these images of growth from infancy forward, which are on our minds in this Christmas season, we're, we're called to remember that as Christians, we likewise come to the faith in infancy in many ways, through the waters of baptism and faith in Jesus. But that's not where it should end, but rather we should continue to grow up in every way in him who is the head, namely Jesus Christ our Lord. That the new birth that comes, the regeneration that comes through the waters of baptism might be a spurring on that we might grow in the likeness and character of Jesus and never lose our wonder at the sense of the word of God, the word who stepped into the world for our sake. And so as we think about that, perhaps on this week culturally, where we're in that habit of thinking about new beginnings as we turn a calendar year in the secular calendar later this week, as we think about that, where might we create more time or habits or patterns to grow in a greater depth and knowledge of the Word of God? What might that look like? What might we be able to let go of in the course of our week, perhaps, so that we can build in more time to be in God's Word, so that those 
things um, certainly don't just come through rhythms of showing up, but for showing up before God to be in his word, to dive in a little bit. Or perhaps in two weeks, could we, out of the 168 hours in our week, offer up one more so that you're in at worship on Sundays and then one hour thereafter um, so that we may grow in a greater depth and knowledge of God's word, so that we might be spurred on, so that we might not lose our sense of awe and wonder and not realize that um, as we grow older, we shouldn't lose that sense of inquisitiveness that childlike faith brings to it to ask the hard questions, to look at the aspects of the faith that, like a prism, kind of have all these different variants as we look at it so that we might grow in a greater depth of who he is. As we grow up, somehow it seems like the world um, can get in the way. Um, And so in this season, when there's a few moments of pause, we think about what matters most. And so as we do that, might we continue to be in a place of awe and wonder before the word made flesh? Where might we begin to refocus a bit more, to be filled up, not just with good memories and good moments over the days ahead, but also to grow in a greater depth of him? Not just showing up, but growing up as Christians. That's our call throughout the whole of our Christian life until we meet him face to face. So as we think about these things, we know that as we do so, um, God gives us something in the midst of it. The end of our reading reminds us of this, that as the word became flesh and dwelt among us, we have seen the only glory, the glory of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then the beginning or the end of that reading reminds us, this wonderful reminder, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So as we stay in a place of wonder, I think the other thing for us to reflect on is that we allow grace and truth of God to continue to wash over us time and time again. Somehow, somehow, in some ways, we allow the world, the flesh, and the devil at times to wash away that grace and truth as we go out into the world. We do the things that we need to do. But sometimes in the hustle and bustle, maybe not even just bad things, but just the busyness of life, it gets lost. And so we need these moments to recenter and refocus upon the word made flesh so that we might be reminded that we are called to have that wonder and awe of him, to grow in a greater depth and knowledge of love of him. And that as we do so, We allow his grace to wash over us time and time again. And rather than allow the world, the flesh, and the devil to wash away our peace and our grace, we allow his grace to wash away those things so that we may continue to abide in him through all the ebb and flow of life, whatever it may bring, in the stillness of days like today, and even in the the flurry and and the fury sometimes of January 1st and all that it brings. So as we think on these things, we're reminded that we continue to combat those as we remain rooted in his grace and pursue it day after day, remaining in such awe and wonder of him. And then as we do so, it's not just for our soul's health, but as we're going to turn our attention in January, it's for the soul's health of all those beyond these walls, 
So that as that light and darkness image that we see in John 1.1 and following, this light versus darkness, that we are called to be the light out in the world. St. Augustine wrote, um, and I think it's so wonderful to remember, that darkness, or as we look at that kind of alignment with darkness and evil, it's really just an absence of light. It's not something other than or something equal to, but it's rather just an absence of. Think about that when you, you know, walk into a dark room. Um, when you kick on the light, it's not that darkness is there and resides with it. It's just the absence of the light being in such a place. And so when we go out into the world, we're reminded that as Christians, we're called to be that light to chase away the darkness. What you have in you, Christ who dwells in you, is more powerful than anything else you encounter in the world around you. And so our witness is called to be so tethered to the word, to grow up in awe and wonder of him, and to allow him to continue to wave after wave, wash over us with his grace and truth, so that as we go out in the world, we might be those who chase away the darkness in the lives of those who we touch, so that as they see Jesus in you and me, they might come to an initial place of wonder, but then hopefully a place where then they become rooted in him as well. These are the things that should fill our hearts in these days. That as we stay in this place of wonder in this Christmas season, and as we play uh, a role in what will play out in humanity around us, that we be so rooted in Jesus Christ that it spurs us on so that we may be in a place of wonder before the word made flesh, and that as we do so, as we grow up in him, he would wave after wave, wash us with his grace, so that we might be lights for him out into a dark world, so that they might find the grace, the peace, and the truth that can only come through the word made flesh, who stepped into the world for our sakes, so as to chase away the darkness and bring us nearer to his most gracious light. May those words ring forth in our hearts as we continue in these 12 days that remind us that indeed it is a merry Christmas, but not just a merry 12 days, but a merry life itself as we abide in him and shine for him out in the world around us. So a merry Christmas to you all as we continue in this season, and may the word made flesh continue to illumine our hearts and our paths as we bear witness to him for his honor and to his glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.